the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Come with me to the book of First Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1 and 2. In fact, we can stay with verse number 1, First Timothy chapter 2. I remember I did a teaching some time ago and I talked about this. I exhort, let's read it together one. I exhort, I exhort, let's start. I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. What we are seeking to do with our church is to make the church purpose-driven. I said purpose what? Driven. The things we do here are motivated by purpose. We are not seeking to impress anybody. We want to build a church that is grounded on God's purpose for us uniquely as embassy of life and then for us as a church as it relates to the entire body of Christ. And so the things we do, our programs are rooted in scripture because that's where we find God's purpose. Our programs are rooted in scripture. And one of those important programs we do which we've not been able to do in the past month because of some challenges we've had, which some of you are almost aware, is uh, fasting and prayer. Somebody say fasting and prayer. The Bible says here, the word first there comes from a Greek word proteos. It means the most important thing, the first in order, the thing that must be done before all else. I thought about first things first. How many of you heard that teaching? I'll go back to it because I didn't finish that series. First things first. There are things they can only be done first. If you do them second, they are useless with God. Obedience must come before sacrifice. It's one of those things. Uh-huh. And the Bible says, first of all, one of the things you must learn to do first of all is to give thanks. That's why we have hallelujah service. It's part of first things first. First of all, enter his gaze with thanksgiving. So those of us who are here to be part of that flow, this is it. We don't do things without understanding. Everything is rooted in scripture. That's why we have hallelujah service. On the first day of the month, we celebrate God because the first voice God wants to hear from you at the beginning of the month is not your long prayer list. It's a voice of gratitude for what he did in the month before and what he said to do in the month you have just seen. If you didn't wake up in a new month, you have no expectation for the month. So when you wake up and there is life in you, the first response must be that of gratitude. And that's why we have hallelujah service. And then subsequently, you see that again, first of all, there is supplication, prayers, intercessions. All giants in scripture have always begun with prayer. We have it in Sunday school. Prayer is the key. Prayer is the master's key. If it's the master's key, I'm not sure. But prayer is a key. I don't know whether it's a master's key, but it's a vital key. 
The Bible says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. We're taught in Sunday school, prayer is the key, prayer is the master's key. Jesus started with prayer and ended with prayer. So your month must begin on the note of hyper prayer. Those of you who have hard things, you get into the month and the first thing you are thinking about is some business deal. It, uh, it's good, but it's risky because anywhere you go first without God going ahead of you, you are running a risk. That's why it's important. It's your own car. You've been driving it and nothing has happened. But it's still okay that at the beginning of the month, you dedicate yourself. That is what the Bible talks about in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you make a decisive dedication to consecrate something. That's what it means. So I want to encourage you. Now, it's changed. It's not from Wednesday to Friday. It's from Monday to Wednesday. Amen. I thought you clap your hands for, for that. So, we start tomorrow morning, tomorrow evening, sorry, tomorrow evening, 6 p.m. to 7.30. We'll be praying here. Amen? We'll be praying here and I'm expecting to see you. Don't join online. Come and let us pray together. Amen? Those of you who are far and can join online, you are free. But don't live in Kumasi and go to the office and be pretending you are online while you are still running business. Am I communicating here? I said I'm going to teach you how to participate in online service because I realize that a lot of people pretend to be having service online while they are not at all. So the Holy Ghost has given me some keys that shows that you are really attending service and I'll share them with you. So that's what is happening this week. We are praying from Monday through Wednesday. Wednesday is also our midweek service, but because it's fresh fire week, we are going to devote much of the time to prayer. Amen? Good. I know this is an Excel service, uh -huh, but our pathway to excellence and success is different from this. Amen? Yeah, unbelievers, they just make their plans and they run with it. But we, our plans must be at the center of his plan for it to work. And for it to be in the center of his plan, we have to process the plan with him. All right, let's pray. Spirit of God, breathe upon us again. We are blessed as your word comes to us. Our level changes. As we behold you in the word, we are changed from glory to glory. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, so come with me to the book of Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. I think we can do from verse 6. Verse 6. Joshua 1 verse 6. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. What a promise. What a promise. Do you know that this is a promise is, is no longer a promise. It's a reality with you. Do you know? How many of you know that it's a reality with you? So God is surprised when you get afraid. God is surprised when you act and you behave as if you are alone. God is surprised when you act as if you have to pray to be assured of his presence. You see, when we pray, we become aware or more conscious of his presence. But our prayer does not create God's presence around us. You have to understand that. It makes us more aware and conscious and sensitive to his presence. But that is not what creates his presence around us. His presence is created by his word. When he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, it was settled. That's why you always have to walk with confidence. I tell people all the time, when I sit in a car, one, if I am led to pray, I pray. But if I don't pray, it doesn't mean anything can happen. Because I carry Holy Ghost naked fire. God is with me in the car. Am I communicating here? That's very, very important. Understand that God is within you. Somebody say, God is within me. Say, God is within me. 
Yeah. You have to be conscious of what you carry on the inside. Later to the day of God and have overcome the world. For greater is he that is outside you. Greater is he who lives in your house. Greater is he that is in the anointing oil you spread in your car. Greater is he that is in. Greater is he that is. Than he that is in the world. That's so, 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 so important. Say, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I believe that that word is for someone. If it's for you, your amen will show it. He said, only be strong. That's what he said. He tells him in verse 6. Be strong. Somebody say, be strong. It's amazing God will tell you I'm with you and he's still telling you be strong. Because you see, when God is with you and you are weak, you can fail. When God is with you and you walk in fear, you become weakened by fear. You become weakened. In your purpose and tenacity, you can fail. So he said, be strong and of good courage. Because courage is the ability to confront your fears. So God is with you, but you need to be strong. Somebody say, I'm strong. And that's the same thing Ephesians also talks about. Ephesians 4 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong. Timothy talks about be strong in the grace of God. So we need to be strong. You shall not be weak. I said, you shall not be weak. You have to be strong. And one platform for spiritual strength is a word. As the word of God comes to you, as you feed, you go to the podcast, you soak in the word, you are strengthening yourself. You are strengthened with might by spirit in the inner man. As the word of God enters you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. Somebody say, be strong. And of good courage. He says, that you observe to do. Look at verse 8. This book of the law. Somebody say this book of the law. Shall not depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make your way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Somebody say good success. Say good success. Now, so that, that is a, a verse of scripture we are going to be working with for some time to come because we are establishing the foundation for biblical or supernatural or good or godly success. Success is not just success. Success can be good or bad. When a man sits down in his room, a wicked man sits down in his room and plans very well, to execute an agenda of robbing uh, uh, Bank of Ghana and is successful and carries away several millions of the dollars we have in our reserve. He has attained success, true or false? Oh, talk to me. Is he not successful? He has a plan. He has executed. Is that not success? Oh, you don't know success from this night. Go and check. We'll define it. That's success. Success. Somebody goes to a juju person to collect money and then he goes and he plans that I'm living on this social and so date he goes and by the time he gets that the juju man is there, he is able to do all the things he's supposed to do for him. That is his plan. He's well executed it and then at the end of the day he comes with this long snake under his bed vomiting money. Where you ask that man, he will tell you his project of going for juju money was successful. True or false? So you have to understand it. This thing that you are looking at me, I say, as if when I say good bad success, I'm looking somewhere. It's, that's it. There, there's, you can succeed wrongly. That's why the Bible, the mention of success was also uh, identified. It, was, uh, it came with an adjective. Good success. God does not just want you to succeed. He wants you to experience good success. 
And we talked about bad success where it comes from the fact that bad success can be achieved through manpower and it comes through satanic power. We talked about good success. We talked about eight key things that distinguishes good success from bad success. I think last two weeks I attempted defining or explaining what good success is. So last week we started by touching on redefining success. Somebody say redefining success. All right. Once the Bible says talks about good success, it means that there is bad success. So we want to understand what is good success. We have to redefine success, not in the eyes of a world, but in the eyes of God. How does God define success? How does God define success? Because most of the things that we have come to believe are symbols of success. Somebody had all of them and still called them useless, 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 useless. There's nobody who had more cars in his lifetime than the man Solomon. The Bible said he had 7,000 or so chariots. Chariots today will be like Mercedes Benz, Bentleys, Lazarus, autobiography. There's one they call autobiography, 570. Praise God. All kinds of things. They'll give you amazing of them. All kinds of, I mean, when, when somebody has 7,000 cars, you can imagine all fleets of cars will be there. Like the footballers, you go to their houses and there's Porsche, there's Cayenne, there's this, all of that, uh, Lamborghini, all of the cars are there. So when a man has 7,000 of them, even in one car, there are various versions. You talk about Rolls Royce, there's Rolls Royce Phantom, there's Rolls Royce this, there's all man, all of them, Solomon had all of them. And at the end of his life, he said, vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. So success must be more than cars. Success must be more than houses. Great as they are, success must be more than position because the man was famous. Every king on the planet had to do business with Solomon. All the kings of the earth, they came to Solomon and they sat in his court to listen to his wisdom and counsel. So talk about fame, Solomon had it all. But he said vanity upon all van vanity, all is vanity. That's the same, about the same thing all of us are looking for. Some are looking for fame, others are looking to be able to build houses, own property and it's great, have them. If you have one land and you can afford, buy multiples. If you built a property and you can afford, build more. But listen, when you are measuring success in the eyes of God, and that is not how you measure it. Am I communicating here? Yeah, you, that's why I'm talking about redefining it. Because you see, you will live a deluded life. You will, you will end up before the throne room of God and the judgment, the beamer seat of Christ, having been disappointed with yourself. You don't have to end like Solomon and say vanity upon all is vanity upon vanity. All is vanity. You are young. You are energetic. You still have your years ahead of you. When you get the fundamentals right, your life will be smooth sailing. And I see you ending very well. Amen. You know, life really is not about how we start, but it's about how we end. It's not about how we start at all. Jesus started in a manger, but he ended on the cross and ended ultimately with a name above every name. It's not about how you start at all. In between the start, a lot of things can happen. Between the start and the finishing, a lot of things can happen, but ultimately finish. And when you finish, finish where? Jesus said, it is finished. I finished. Apostle Paul said, I finished my course. He said, none of these things move me. I'm hard-pressed on every side. I'm disappointed. A lot of people have done me a lot of things. But one objective that I may finish my course with joy. That was his goal. And he did finish. You will finish. Amen. I said, you will finish. Amen. 
So last two weeks we tried establishing what good success is not because before we can appreciate good success, what it really is, we have to understand what is not. And number one, we say good success is not the attainment of desirable goals. Somebody say desirable goals. Yeah. Your desire, because the dictionary defines success is attaining your goals. And I, I gave you an example earlier of a man who sets out his goal is to rob a bank and become a millionaire and buy Range Rover. You know, Range Rover, that is it. In the sun, there's one that has a hologram or something inside. So in the car, there's no dashboard. When you're sitting, the dashboard is on the screen. It just comes on the screen. The, yeah, the windshield. Then you'll be driving. That is a car. And somebody's goal may be just to get that kind of car. Just to get that kind of car. There are some cars you drive them. Other cars drive you. That's his goal. So he makes money. And whichever way he wants to make, he just wants to drive it. So that's it. And the objective, the roadmap to driving that kind of car is raw. Do Sakawa and get it. When he attains that goal, according to dictionary, he's successful. And according to Wade's view, he's successful. But in the eyes of God, that's not. We saw that from the life of a man, Jesus described as a rich fool. So you can be rich and foolish. And by the way, when Jesus says you are a fool, you are a fool. Anybody Jesus describes as a fool is a fool because he's the only wise God. It means that Jesus can look at somebody who has a, a big head and appears very successful and it looks like all things are okay. But when Jesus looks at him, the head is full of uh, watermelon juice. That's all. There's no wisdom whatsoever. So he calls him a fool. That man, his ground brought forth plentifully. Somebody say plentifully. Plentifully. His ground brought forth in nyafu nyafu. Somebody say nyafu nyafu. Too much. Everything. Everything you can imagine was there. Look at verse 16 with me. He spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought, yielded plentifully. Somebody say plentifully. May your ground yield plentifully. May your dreams yield plentifully. May you experience great success. And he thought within himself, you know. He says, let me think a moment. Verse 17. He thought within himself saying, look, since I have no room, what shall I do? I have no room to store my crops. So he said, I will do this. I will put down my bands and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and goods. And I will say to my soul, so, somebody say my soul. My soul. That's where he missed it. The crops were his, but the soul was not his. When he was talking about, I will do this, I will do this. Oh, God said, okay, that's free. Do, but the soul, dear, don't touch it. The moment he talked about soul, God said, you have gone beyond it. Tonight, let's see who owns the soul. The soul was collected and everything else was useless. That's why real success begins with the prosperity of your soul. That's where it starts from. Because when you get every other thing and the soul is not prosperous, you lose everything. So the Bible said, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospered. And I'll be showing you the prosperity of a soul, how your soul prospers, how your soul becomes successful. Because all of us, once we are born again, the distinguishing factor and the distinguishing feature about the saved and the unsaved is the expression of our soul. How the control you have on your soul is what will distinguish you between one who is saved and one who is not saved. Your soul has to do with your will, your intellect, and your emotions. And the way you run them as a believer is different from the way uh, an unbeliever runs them. So we said that success is not just about attaining your goals. 
I share the wise thought with you about a man who says success is not just about success is not merely getting what you want. It's about wanting what you get after you have gotten it. Do you want it? You may get it, but are you at peace with it? Because I think sometimes once we get them, we become miserable. Yeah. Number two. I think we did only one, right? Two. We did three. Wow, amazing. So we have some way to go. Good success is not acquisition of material possessions. And may you have good many material possessions. When, when I'm teaching, I always want to be understood, not to be misinterpreted. Uh -huh. So don't go and live here and say, oh, pastor said that uh, material things are not good. I've not said that. If you say that, it is your own that is saying it. It's not what I preached. So understand me very well. In the wax in your ears, we clear it in the name of Jesus. So you can hear clearly. The Bible said, take heed how you hear. Jesus talked about it. Take heed how you hear. Good success is not the acquisition of material possessions. Prior to Jesus giving that parable, he said in Luke 12, 15, he said, a man's life consisted not in the abundance of things which he possesses. The number of cars you have doesn't define you as success in the eyes of God. The number of properties you have, great as they are, they don't. Your land size doesn't. But ultimately, something else does. Number three, success is not the attainment of a position or a status in life. Oh, I want to become the CEO of Confanoti. That's your goal. And in pursuing that goal, coming to church regularly is not important for you because you have to prove yourself to them. You don't, you don't have time for fellowship with the saints. You don't have time to study the word of God. All you are doing is to work, 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 overwork yourself until they can say good and faithful servant. You are now a candidate for the post of CEO or of Confanoche Hospital or whichever hospital. That's all your goal. When you attain that position and there is no relationship with divinity, you will be miserable. Praise God. You will be miserable. You will be miserable. You'll be miserable. You'll be miserable. A magazine I read some time back talked about how lowly celebrities in the United States feel. And if you look at the end of their lives, you see it. People that some people in the natural are yearning to be like. They have things people are dying to get. What did Michael Jackson not have? But he was so lonely. He couldn't sleep. Can you imagine? That thing that comes to you so easily that even when you are in church and you are not supposed to do it, you do it easily. It's, it's, it's amazing. You sit small and you are sleeping. Yeah. But you see, a certain kind of sleep that comes to you at this is a, it's a medical conditioner. No, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The doctors can tell you. Where, where you sit and for no... no it's not like you, you have... You, you have uh, overworked yourself. You just, there are some people, they just, they just sit. The moment they sit, no, it's gone. You have to seek medical attention. I'm not communicating here. It's so important. Yeah. You sleep so easily. Michael Jackson took drugs, he couldn't still sleep. If you see how they end with the wisdom, amazing guys. Now, when you hear their names and what they have, naturally, when your values are not grounded in Christ, you, you seek what they have. You, you love to have it. You love to drive their car. You love to live where they live. But you don't know that they live in beautiful mansions, but in miserable ways. They have beautiful homes. They have beautiful buildings, but they don't have beautiful home atmospheres. 
Praise God. That's important. It's not status. The disciples thought it was status. Who shall be the greatest in the kingdom? Who shall be the greatest? Today, I'll touch on two more. And then next week, um, hopefully, if I, I'm not, I don't have to upgrade it, I'll begin to look at good success with you. I told you that this is a service that the Spirit of God inspired me to start doing for the next 10 years. And I don't know when it will end. After the 10 years, if I have to review it, I'll review it. If I have to stop it, I'll stop it. So I'm not in a hurry. And I'm teaching you the fundamentals of it. It's like learning language. You start with the alphabet, Abby. Uh-huh, the alphabet A, B, C, D. Uh-huh. Those are some of the things I'm teaching. So I'm not in a hurry to run this at all. You have to get it and get it. Repetition helps you to register something very well. That's why I don't mind repeating anything. Amen? Yeah. When you become tired of hearing it, then it means you have started hearing it. Yeah. When you hear it and hear it and hear it and you are feeling tired hearing it, it means you have started hearing it. Praise God. Now, number four, good success is not just about getting married and raising children. Yeah. Can I preach? Uh It's not just about getting married and raising children. There's a lot of fuss about marriage and and all of those things are great. I mean, it's true. But every truth must always be held in the balance. It's not just about getting married and raising children. Yeah. Everybody look at me. Yeah. Because I'm going on on uncharted waters today. There are people, their only goal, their principal goal for life is marriage. They don't see themselves as having lived a meaningful life until they are married. They think that once they marry, then they have, they are there. Some people, their ultimate objective is children. Once I'm able to have children, then I'm there. It's not just about having children. What of if you produce a Judas? Yeah. Yeah. It's not about just having children. It's not just about having children. So even children, the Bible talks about godly children. Praise God. You see, the success of marriage is two. One, the success, marriage is a success when you are able to fulfill God's plan for your life with the marriage. Two, when you are able to raise godly children. That's when success, because that's, he said he joined them together that he may see godly seed. God is a purpose-driven God. It's always important. And by the way, you don't have to necessarily raise biological children to raise children. Africans, our mindset is warped. So we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we are not able to live a meaningful life. I think it was Oprah Winfrey or something. I mean, she is not my measure of success. But sometimes I think that looking at people like that and examining the impact they make, the difference they make in other lives speaks to us. Because they basically take upon themselves certain things that we ought to be doing as Christians, but we are either incapable of doing it or we are not doing it the way we ought to do it. The philanthropic work the woman does is amazing, mind-blowing. She is known as the most, the most celebrated African-American philanthropist. The richest black American woman. And I don't think she even has children. She's not got a child of her own. But she takes care of many children in South Africa and around the world. And not next week I'll be telling you, you see, these guys, their challenge is that the challenge with Oprah is that, but she may not profess public faith in Christ. 
And you see, sometimes they do all of these things to justify themselves before God. But you see, that's where they missed it. Because if Oprah doesn't come to a place where she accepts Christ as her Lord and Savior, she dies with all her good works, hell will be her destination. And I think it will be sad. Nobody enters heaven with good works. Everybody enters heaven by acknowledging Christ as, as Lord and Savior. Praise God. So the, the, the ground. Now imagine that God were to decide that everybody must enter heaven with good works. Look at what Oprah is doing and what you are doing. <laughs> hey, Ebedo. Yeah. That, that is why in his wisdom. So those of us who are still seeking to merit heaven. You are seeking to merit heaven. Forget it. Heaven is not a merit. Heaven is a gift. It's a gift. He gives you the gift of eternal life. The moment you acknowledge I'm helpless to stand before Almighty God by myself, I lift up my hands and I accept his gift, his perfect gift and sacrifice offered in Christ for me. The moment that acknowledgement is made in your heart with faith, you are moved from hell to heaven. Straightforward. But she's doing amazing things. And she has no child. An African, no matter what he does until he has biological children, he doesn't feel that he matters. He matters. I tell you. And I trust God. I pray I've gone on 40 day fast, 60 day fast, 120 day fast, trusting God for certain people to have fruit of the womb. So it's not somebody that I don't believe in it. But I don't want your life to be lived just around that. When you do that, you will not be living a meaningful life. And you can never live your full life just living that myopic life. Life is bigger than having children. There are people who have 10 children, 12 children, and they are all frustrated. My father had a very large family size. In our family, there are lunatics amongst us. Some of them became, and of course, I'm also one of the good ones that came out of it by grace. So it's not just about having a large family, you know, no. Great. From next week, next week, you will see what, what good success really looks in the eyes of God. So it's not just about getting married and having children, biological children. I mean, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32 to 38. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. That's one of the things. Marriage is a concern of this life. Somebody say it's, con- it's a concern of this life. Yeah, yeah. Please get it straight. Yeah, I, I, I'm not listening. <laughs> there are some theological mindset and philosophies you have. Be ready to let go of them. Marriage is a concern of this life, not the life thereafter. When they went to Jesus, after this person married and that, 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 that uh, after, he said after the resurrection, there is nothing like marriage or nothing. So it's only in this life. It's relevant here. And don't you think you'll be wasting your life away if you are living in the light of the present? Because the things which we are seeing are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Why should the things which are eternal be, why should temporal things be allowed to frustrate eternal things? Now, people get married and they don't get involved in things that matter for eternity. Somebody got married, gave birth to a child, and because of the child, he is not involved in anything called church again. Coming to church is a difficult, my children. In being involved with ministry work, my children, listen, you will get before God and you'll be surprised. Now, that was not what he made you for. I'm not here to discredit marriage. I've been married for how many years now? And I'm, I'm cool. But I have to be honest with the integrity of scripture. You have to understand what God's mind is concerning things. God talks about marriage, but not in the way the world has decided to stretch the matter. And particularly in Africa, almost everything is tied to marriage. 
When they are supposed to, you merit, you are proving yourself as an excellent person, you need to occupy a certain position in life, they look at you whether you are married. I mean, nonsense. It doesn't make sense. When did you measure professional competence or marital status? Do you know how many people who are married and professionally they are zero? Because the marriage is frustrating their professional progress. Am I communicating here? Get it. He said, I want you to be free. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. Isn't that amazing? But you see, this is not your preoccupation. Your preoccupation is making money. Not how you are working for God and pleasing God. Your preoccupation, that is not it. But when your preoccupation is pleasing God and working for God, sometimes you, you don't even think about marriage. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I know this preaching is not for everybody. But you have to get this fundamental right. Good success is not marriage. Marriage is good success if it helps you to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Because if the marriage comes to frustrate God's purpose for your life, which is the ultimate thing God made you for, you have wasted your life. And who wants to live a wasted life? That's why Jesus said, anybody who has left mother, father, and wife for my sake and the gospel's sake, some of us have some weird mindset about people, preachers who have divorced. <laughs> You'll be shocked. <laughs> Praise God. You'll be shocked. God is okay with them. He's cool with them. Because Jesus himself said it, that some people, they may have to let go of some cantankerous women so they can focus and do the work of God. Am I communicating here? Now, 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 don't go and quote me and say, Pastor, I'm just divorced today. I've not said that. You see, I, I have to let you know what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. Because I'm also on social media. So those of you who are listening to me, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. The word we live in is a very dangerous word now. Yeah. Somebody will be hearing you, but you won't hear you where. Jesus said, take it. <laughs> yeah, they are hearing you to feed into their own mindsets. I just want you to have a straight mind, a scriptural mind about things. There are things that are of greater value and we have to place. Success is not just attaining things, it's achieving things of greater value. Apostle Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Okay, so you bought your car, you finished. You bought, bought your house, you finished. You bought lands, you finished. You own estate, you finished. Is there something laid up for you there? Is there something laid up for you there? What investment have you made up there? Is there lay up no treasure for yourself on earth? Is there something laid up for you there? You have 10 children. Is there something laid up for you there? How many of those children are going to heaven with you? That's success. That's a real success. That's a real success. That's a lasting success. That's it. Because the moment we begin to define success by marriage, Jesus is a failure. Abject, abject, total failure. He was a failure. Because he didn't marry. The, the, the most amazing transformational Christian who ever lived was Paul. He was human like us. You can say Jesus was divine. He did also did not marry. In fact, he was advocating that if it is possible, everybody should be like him. Paul. So was he a failure? No. Between you and Paul, I will choose you a failure ten times. Between myself and Paul, I'm a failure hundred times complete. Am I communicating here? Get it straight. Get it straight. And when you marry, that's why those of you who are married, you have to understand the purpose for which you are, you are living your lives together. God didn't bring you together to just uh, have sex, fun, and move on. No, foolish. He has something greater than that. 
just produce children and no, no, forget it. There's a greater purpose. And so, if you are going to frustrate the man or the woman from attaining that purpose, listen, heaven there, you make it all, but you'll be sad when you get there. Because the Bible said, if you build your whatever you build, if it's not built with gold, it, it will perish. He himself will suffer loss, but he shall be saved. Whatever work you are doing, if it's not enduring, let's get it. It's a new day. Praise God. I said it's what? A new day. What I'm preaching is newness. Yeah. So if you don't understand it, I'll give you time. You will come to understand it with time. Every new thing, sometimes it just challenges you and then you, you cool, cool down. First of all, I'll finish my course. Super, super success. And look at what he said. He said that if it is possible, let's, let's read it together. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. So if you are not married and you are not doing the Lord's work, your own case is a worst case. Yeah. If you are not married, coming to church is difficult for you. Hey, being involved in church is giving to church. You don't have any child to pay school fees. You don't have, and giving is difficult for you. Availing your time to advance the cause of God is difficult for you. Something is fundamentally wrong. The unmarried person, because the concerns of this life, the concern of loving a, a wife who is complaining every time, the concerns of raising children who will not allow you to sleep when you need a little rest, the, the, all those concerns, they free you from it. When you don't have a child, you think it's easy. Have some and begin to see. Ask Pat, she will tell you whether she's been able to sleep comfortably ever since she put to bed. The moment children are born, that's why you have to, I tell couples all the time, learn, learn to bond with yourselves well. Learn to manage yourself well. Because when children come into the union, immediately everything changes. And that which is supposed to be a blessing can become a curse if you don't manage it well. Some people have lost their spiritual fire because of children. They've lost their dedication and devotion to God because of children. And listen, if God gave you that child, he didn't give you that child for the child to replace you. Now coming to church, oh, because of my children. Everything now is because of your children. Where is the God that you are supposed to be your first love and your greatest passion? Where is he? In the whole equation, where is he? So when children are not in the equation, uh, a husband is not in the equation, and you are also not sold out to kingdom matters, as for you, I don't know, you are in negative zero. 35, please. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities. And how to please his wife. This is a mutual thing. The wife is seeking to please, you must also seek to please. And that's why marriage can be nice, you know. Marriage is nice when a wife is committed that I'm going to please my husband at all times. It's, that's my number one goal. I'm going to please my husband. Of course, second to God. Am I communicating here? Uh, it's not like my number one goal as my number, number one goal. Yeah. Because your, your ability to even please your husband well is based on how you, you gel with God. How you are flowing with God. That's how we influence that. And then the other way is also the case. Now go to verse 35, 34. He says, his interests are divided. This is the reason. His interests are divided. As I stand here, my interests are divided. I'm telling you. No, I'm telling you. My interests are divided. I have to think about heavenly things. I have to think about earthly things. Is it good preaching? I'm just telling you. There are things I could do when this woman was not there, Asha and Annabelle were not there. Now, I have to think twice. Even if the Holy Ghost speaks, I have to think twice. <laughs> Go and empty your accounts and give it as an offering. I have to think. There are school fees. Housekeeping. Am I communicating here? 
But those days, I mean, I left school and without anything, I was a full-time minister. When I married, I had to go and take a job small for some time. No, 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 that's it. Because the moment I married, I started full-time when I left school. I started uh, then faith house as a full-time preacher in uh, Kuforia. When I came to Kumasi and I say I'm married 2008 for the way, because nobody wants to give a child to somebody who is not working and earning something. But I was actually working for God. But the, the way God pays is different from the way human beings pay. But you see, the, the natural parents, they want to see physical pay, not the, the eternal one. So how to now uh, divide my interest? I go to ICS and say, come and preach. That's it. Your interests are divided. Divided. A woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the law. This thing, I'll come back and work with it. Let me close you today. Yeah, because if I rush this thing, it will not be good. Some people are cool. Others are suspecting me. But whatever way, hey, the, the word of God is preached. It says some preach Christ out of envy, some preach Christ, but whichever way the word is preached, whatever motive you give me this morning, I have preached the word of God. Pastor Afroqua has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarters church, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook page Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you.